in today's show, I'm looking at players who are overperforming, maybe sell highs, underperforming, maybe they're buy lows, and recapping how we did on this show a couple of weeks ago, seeing if those uh, buy lows and sell highs paid off, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. And we're here to look at buy low, sell highs, as always with this show. Is this an exhaustive list? Of course it isn't. I'm doing five buy lows and five sell highs. There are many others. So when you ask the question, what about? Maybe. Yeah, they could be that as well. But I've got to narrow it down. I can't do his 50 buy lows and 50 sell highs. Um, and half the time, you're not going to be able to pull these off. But it also gives you an idea, hey, which players of mine are overperforming? And which guys, I'm probably going to see a little bit of a drop-off in what they're currently doing, and how do I balance that with my squad? That's part of the idea here, because as you know, I am not a very big fantasy trader. And in fact, I will constantly tell people, hey, pull back on the trades. You guys need to settle down on trades. You're doing too many of them. So we're going to talk uh, about just some players who are up or down and where we can expect improvements or regressions, etc. But what we did, and we did this last season, is that we have some accountability on these buy lows and sell highs. So... Two weeks ago was the first buy low, sell high show. And I'm going to go back and look at those 10 players we had and see in the in the intervening, wrong word, in, in the two weeks since we did that show, have they improved or have they regressed in terms of sell highs? Were we on the money? We're looking at those players. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right. So, this is week two recap because week two is when I did the first buy low, sell high show. Now let's have a look. The headmaster, Jamal Murray was on the buy low. He was 228th up to that point. Since then, he's 130th. That was an obvious buy low, an obvious. But again, it had to be on there because people panic. People make rash decisions. People were dropping him, literally, which was crazy. Tyrese Maxey was a massive buy low. Now, we didn't foresee James Harden hurting his foot in the interim, but I knew that he was going to improve. He was 155th when we did that show. He's now 44th in the two weeks since then. He's actually struggled a little bit without Harden, especially efficiency-wise. But over those two weeks, he's definitely taken that step up. This one was a really good one. I enjoyed this one. Double cheeked up on a Thursday afternoon. Yep. Kyle Lowry was 134th when we did this show. And he, more so than Jamal Murray, people were dropping him. And they're going, what are, what are we doing? What do we do here with Kyle Lowry? I can't, I can't with this guy. What a waste of a pick. He was 134th at that point. Uh, he's 27th in the intervening two weeks. Now, he's not going to remain 27th. But you're going to get pretty good return on your investment of picking him at like 90 or 100. Now, I'm just seeing this now, and I've done this graphic. And it says Anthony Edwards, and I forgot to put what his initial rank was. So I need to go back and have a look to see what that initial rank was, where he was two weeks. So he was 127th. There you go. And I said he was a buy low. He's now 53rd. And he's still got room to improve. It was obvious that he wasn't going to stick that low. Um, 
again, we saw the improvement coming, and it's coming, and it could still get better. And Franz Wagner. He was 119th. Two weeks later, he's 54th in that in that time frame. He was probably the one I got the most pushback on out of this group, where people said, no, I think he might actually get worse than 119th. I think he's going to stay at this level. Um, I didn't really get much pushback on this, because they were pretty obvious to most. But obvious to most doesn't mean obvious to everybody. And as you see, when we do the actual buy lows and sell highs on this, you're going to have differing opinions on these players. And you might just fully agree, oh, yeah, Josh, you're right. Or you got this guy, what's he, no, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's so far off on this. Like, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And that's fine because I'm telling you now, I don't know the future, nor do you. And we have these bets on things and we have these ideas of things and we try and put logic behind it. And that's exactly what we do here. And the Wagner one, it worked out in my favor this time. In terms of the sell highs, I don't know why I said it. I have the sell highs. Andrew Wiggins was 22nd. I said he was a sell high. He's now 70th since then. I still think he might drop a little bit from 70th, but that's not far off where he's going to be. Brooke Lopez, he was 38th. And in the uh, next two weeks, he's still 38th. That's pretty amazing. I, I do think there is going to be a fall coming for Brooke. We've already seen it the last two games or so, but he's been amazing. Royce O'Neal was 57th to begin the year. He's 114th since then. And I do think there is a chance he drops out of the top 150 at some point. He's playing so many minutes. But with Simmons, the question marks there, with the Kyrie question marks, with whatever the hell is happening with Seth Curry, with Tony Warren never apparently returning, um, maybe O'Neill does keep the big minutes. But he was never going to maintain that top 60 rate. Boyan Bogdanovich, I thought he would have fallen more. He was 70th. He's 72nd since. I think because after I did that sell high show, he actually improved for the first week or so after that. And then he's really regressed the last two. So he's had a marginal fall. And then Ayo Desumu, he was 83rd when I said he was a sell high. He's 123rd since then. And I think 110 to 135, that's probably about the right area for Desumu. And there'll be moments where I think he turns into a fringe on and off waiver wire guy, or there'll be stretches where he shoots really well and he's a top 75 player. I think that's what his lot is going to be this season. But we've seen that fall off. So all in all, I think a pretty decent result on the buy low sell highs. Lopez obviously didn't change and Bogdanovich, you know, that's not real. I'm not going to count that as a win if he goes from 70 to 72, but everything else turned out okay. And I'm pretty happy with that being the, um, with that being the end result there. So let's look at this week's buy lows and sell highs. Number one buy low is D'Angelo Russell. Over the last two weeks, He's 237th in category leagues. He's 113th in points leagues. Now, I'm not here to blow smoke up your ass and tell you that D'Angelo Russell is a very good player because he isn't. I'm not here to tell you that he's a top 40 fantasy guy. He was uh, actually putting up some numbers like that at one point um, earlier this season, but that has obviously fallen away. But this latest run for him is, is atrocious. He shot 41% from the field last season and 83 from the line. Over the last two weeks, he's at 32 from the field, and 47 from the line. What are you talking about, D'Angelo? He's also only playing 28 minutes because he is struggling. So there is three to four minute upside still in him. The free throws can literally, well, not quite double, but get close to it. 46% is atrocious. And the 43% can jump up, sorry, 33% from the field can jump up 10 percentage points. And then that means that if you get both percentages jumping, your points per game goes from 10.5 very easily to 14 maybe 15. Your 1.63s maybe becomes two. And then your, his assists are down, but maybe they don't change. And that doesn't matter. It's it's just so easy for him to go push back to become like the 90th best player 
or a hundredth best player. In points leagues, the damage isn't as great because the impact of percentages is only felt in the points category. You're not copying it. Like in category leagues, when your percentages are down, your points drop, your threes probably drop, your field goal percentage drops and your free throws drop and it kills you. In points league, all it means is your points drop. So it doesn't hurt you that much. And that's where we currently are at with D'Angelo Russell as he is having some real struggles. And a lot of the times, poor shooting can be tied into low minutes there as well. So I do think that there is a bit of a buy-low opportunity for D'Angelo Russell. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. When you go out to do a hire, if you're a hiring person at a company, it is a massive, massive undertaking because it's one of the biggest expenses a company has. And if you get it wrong, it costs you time, money, and productivity. Well, LinkedIn Jobs is here to help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to do. You go in and you create that job on LinkedIn Jobs. All the steps straightforward right out there in front of you. And then you add that job and then you add that purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and that spreads the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like the screening questions make it easy for you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you would like to hire. So if you head to, um, oh, actually, for yeah, I used to do hiring and it was a pain. Finding the right resumes, sifting through the unnecessary ones. It's a waste of my time. But with LinkedIn, you can filter all that stuff out with those questions. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one, in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. Let's go to the next by low. It is Joshua Giddy of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um... Yeah, look, it's been rough for him. He had the ankle injury and he's come back and he is struggling, like badly. He's only played four games over the last two weeks and he's returned from injury. One of those, he had limited minutes as he returned, but he's also been benched in a couple of games, like yesterday, where he sat down for the last nine minutes of the game um, because he was playing poorly. He's been a really rough start to the year. He's only averaging 28 minutes a game so far this season, but over there's 27 in those games re- returning to action. Um, we had issues with Giddy and his percentages last year, 42 and 71, true shooting of 48%, but it's worse. It's worse. He's hitting 39% of his twos since he came back. He's hitting 36% of threes, which is strong, but an overall field goal percentage of 39% hurts. And as we just said, Having big negatives in field goal percentage impacts your overall scoring. So he's down under 12 points per game, but that's not all. He averaged eight rebounds a game last season. Three and a half he's got in the last four games. That is an astonishing drop. His assists from 6.4 down to 4.8 as well. Is it because Shea is handling the ball more? Maybe, but there is... Look, Jeremiah Robinson Earl and uh, Lou Dort and uh, Kenrich Williams or Aaron Wiggins or Jalen Williams. These guys aren't racking up big assists. There's plenty more opportunities for Giddy to get more assists. I think some of it is his teammates not making shots. It's also the fact that he's playing probably five to six fewer minutes than I expect from him. So the assist can go up. The rebounds is inexplicable. There's no big rebounder on this team. Like Who's getting the double-digit rebounds every single game? Like Who's that big guy? There's no one. So I think there's something that's going to change there with those assists and those rebounds. And then the two-point percentage, he's not a good shooter, but he's not a 39% two-point guy. So Giddy to me, still projects as a top 80 to 90 player. He's you know massively out of here, 211th over the last two weeks, 149th in points leagues. They just throw your worst two players. 
throw your throw anyone who's ranked around 110 in a trade and see if that works out. Because I, I do think pretty confidently that he is going to be much better than this because there's just too many things here, especially that rebounds and two-point percentage. Even if the assists stay at five, the rebounds should be able to double and the two-point percentage has massive scope to be able to improve. Let's go to another young player, Keegan Murray of the Sacramento Kings. Now, I think it's fair to say that I wasn't a fan of the Kings picking Keegan Murray at pick four. I would have very clearly taken Jaden Ivey. In fact, I think I had Murray at seven in my draft. But then in summer league, I looked stupid, didn't I? Because he dominated. But, you know, again, was it me trying to double down on my draft take? Maybe a little bit. But also, it's like, okay, he's just dominating the ball here because there's no one on this team who's an NBA-caliber player. How does he fit when he has to fit with other guys? And the answer is, not well at the moment. It's a bit of a struggle for Keegan Murray. But he is a buy low. 172nd ranked player over the last two weeks. 154th. He missed time at the start of the year with, I think it was an ankle injury. Um, well, sorry, no, he had COVID at the start of the year. And now there is a rumor that he is having um, some sort of off-court issue that's impacting him. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I've i heard it from a few people who have some intel around. I don't, I've got no idea what it is, but there is some sort of off-court issue that might be impacting what he's doing. He started off the season... His first two games, or his first first four games, 33 minutes, 38 minutes, 39 minutes, 36 minutes, and then has failed to get over 27 in the last three. He scored single digits in all of those games. He's had single-digit shot attempts in all of those games. He's shooting 41% from the field, averaging four rebounds. Now, his rebounding, his last game he had seven. That's his best return. He hasn't been very good at rebounding. Maybe we don't expect that to jump up. He's never going to get assists. I don't really think that's going to be the thing. But 41% shooting on 31% from three, there is there is massive scope for that to improve. The 18 usage, it probably stays around that, to be honest. He's not going to be a big usage guy. But I think the minutes are going to push up. I think the shot attempts have to push up. He's just not taking any. And that is confidence-related. He's hit 30% of his shots over his last three games. And that's coincided with three games of 27 minutes or under. So hit those shots at 44 and play 31 minutes and be more engaged on defense. He's still getting good defensive sets. 0.8 steals, 0.8 blocks. It's not, not the steals aren't great, but the blocks are good. And this, he's still averaging 13 points for the season. There's plenty of room for improvement here in scoring, in shooting, even in rebounding There's a, and, in, and in minutes. There's a lot that can change here, I think, for Keegan Murray to get back uh, into business. Now, do I think that he's a top 70 player long-term? No, absolutely not. Do I think he can be a top 100 guy? Maybe. But as I said a lot in the offseason, on average, I think we have three and a half rookies crack the top 120. And this is a weak rookie class. So we might only have three. And maybe he's not one of them. We know who that Paolo was going to be one of them. But then you know, who, who are the rest? Jabari, Matherin, Ivy, Murray. Like, I don't know. It is a weak rookie class. So we shouldn't have sky-high expectations on these guys, but I do have expectations that Keegan Murray is just going to shoot a little bit better than he currently is, grab a few more rebounds, and play a few more minutes. And I don't think that is a crazy expectation. Rudy Gobert. Rudy It's fair to say that the Rudy Gobert in Minnesota experience has gone badly so far. This is not to say that it won't improve, but it just looks they just look terrible. They look really bad at the moment. 
And some of that is the Gobert fit. We were all worried a little bit. How's he going to fit in this lineup? How is the two big situation going to work? And I thought, oh, they might actually just have such a good defense and figure it out offensively. They'll crush. But no, they, they won't. It's really bad at the moment. And Gobert, over the last two weeks, he's 91st in category leagues and 60th in points league. So we look at what he's doing. And there are a few absolute real standouts as to why this is going wrong for Gobert on a personal level. I still think that Gobert is a top 40, maybe top 30 fantasy player this season because there are just two major things. His last three seasons, he shot 69, 68, and 71% from the field. He is at 51% over the last five games. Yes, he's currently dealing with COVID. He should be back next game. 51% for Rudy Gobert. 53% on twos. He's not taking pull-up mid-range jumpers. He's just not hit. They're just not falling. It's, it's really, to me, as simple as that. He He's just somehow not able to finish at the rim the, the way that he has been in the past. Um, do I know exactly why that is? No, I don't. Is there, you know, when, this is something I probably ignored a little bit in the offseason as well, is players changing teams, there is often a very rocky start. There are very few cases, and we've had some cases, exceptions, Donovan Mitchell this season, where players change teams and it's just seamless and they just fire up straight away. But often there is a big adjustment. Gobert's issue, 64% at the rim which is horrible for a guy that was 77, 75, 74, 72 the last three seasons. Can he just not dunk anymore? Can he not lay it in? Why is he missing everything? He's still taking the same amount of shots there. They're just not going in. That's a very easy one to step up. That's so easy. And and again, it's percentage. 51 becomes 71. That means 11 points, which is averaging over the last five, becomes 14 points. And then he's averaging 14 and 13. And you love it. The next thing is though, blocks. Why is he only averaging 1.4 blocks? He's only at 1.6 for the season. He's not blocking shots. It's not like Towns is blocking shots because he, he isn't. McDaniels is getting a bit there. So maybe we should have some level of caution with his blocks. But 1.4 for Rudy Gobert. Like he was at 2.1 last year, 2.7 the year before. At least get to 1.8. And again, that just changes so much about what he does. So do you really believe Rudy Gobert is a 51% shooter or a 1.4 blocks guy? And if you do, then he's not a buy low. But if you don't, then he is. Again, he's 91st last two weeks. Chuck, a top 60 player. Could you get... Could you get Gobert for Pirtle? Don't know. Gobert is struggling. People hate Gobert. He's currently out. They hate him. People hate this guy. You probably can't because people invested a round two, round three pick in him. But he's underperforming. And often people will just look, man, look at the fantasy points he's given me. Man, why is this guy ranked X? Without looking into why, into why he is in this spot. What are the individual factors that have caused them to be in this position? And yeah, that's that's important. That is very important to note. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports, betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From basketball to football to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. No mention of disc golf. Hopefully, they get that uh, the odds up for disc golf when the season starts. If you love sports podcasts as well, wow, you can find those at BetOnline also. They're just rolling in content over at BetOnline.net. Check the odds for the upcoming week of NFL matchups. Easy done. BetOnline has them up straight away, ready to go. 
Um, let's see. Thursday night, Falcons-Panthers. That should be an absolute rip snorter. Falcons are three-point favorites against the Panthers. I want to see. Well, let's see. What, what are the odds for Jeff Saturday's first game in charge? Six and a half point underdogs against the Raiders, the Colts are. You can find all that at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. This show is going for way longer than I thought. Next by low is DeAndre Ayton. Sorry for the time issue. We will try and get through these. DeAndre Ayton's 92nd ranked player over the last two weeks. That's not very good. 125th in points leagues, also not very good. He is returning from an ankle injury. That's, that is true. And his numbers are a little bit skewed by having that injury in that game. But that's not to say that Aiton's been good all year because he hasn't really. He's, he's really struggled. Um, he's only top 30 minutes three times out of his eight games. One of those was an injury game. Um, and then he had the, uh, there was a, a blowout where he played 16 minutes. He's at 29 minutes, 25 minutes, 29 minutes. You know the issue with Aiton, and people look at him and go, man, he's built like David Robinson. Why is this guy so soft? And it's not about being soft, but he's not aggressive. He averaged 17 and 10 last season. He's at, uh, of his last five games, 13 and 7. He's at 15 and 8 for the season. And the bloke can't block a shot. I know he was low last season, but he's had 1.5 blocks a game before in his career. 0.6 blocks over the last five games. 7.8 7.8 rebounds. Why are we at three fewer rebounds per game? Who's the big rebounder that's in there? Cam Johnson? No, it's not. Points well down. Usage. Actually, usage is up. So there is scope here. But like Gobert, he's hitting 55% of his shots. This is a guy that was at 63 and 63 the last two years. So why are we down so much? Why can, not, why, why can this guy not hit 60% of his twos? Because he's done it in the past. So it should be able to step up. And then your points go to 16. Then hopefully we get the rebounds up and just push those blocks to one. It shouldn't be hard to ask. It shouldn't be hard to ask. Also, if you could draw a free throw at any point, that would be good. Two a game is putrid for a guy that's as big and powerful as he should be. There is a lot to be disappointed with with DeAndre Aiden. I get that. But there's still a few things here. The rebound's inexplicably low. The blocks can easily jump. And why, again, can't finish. Why can't he finish? He's got to be able to do better at the rim. And that, that is going to change um, so much about what he's able to produce. He, he's got to... Well, sorry, he doesn't have to get better finishing because he is getting to the rim. Um, he's finishing fine at the rim. He's just he's just not doing much else that's good. His floater range sort, sort of shots, 34... Uh, he's hit, taking them at probably too high of a level. And they're only going in at 41%. He was at 60 on his floater ranges last season. It's got to be better on those. So he needs to change that. They need to go in, but they just need that field goal percentage to go up. Simple as that. Sell highs. Again, it's really hard to pull off a sell high because what you're trying to do is convince the other person that the guy that you have who's performing at a great level is going to continue to do that. And then the other person goes, so why wouldn't you want to keep him? It's really hard to do, right? You've got to try and frame it in other ways. You've got to try and hide it in two-for-two deals. You've got to try and hide it in team build, team balance. I don't actually actually need what he does and and try and get value that way. But it is really hard to do because when someone is playing well, 
you, the general idea is people enjoy it. Buy lows can be easier because the person's got him on their team. It's Dunder and this soft cock. Why can't he grab a rebound? Why is he not blocking shots? Man, he should be able to dominate. Oh, I'm done with this guy. Keegan Murray, he's useless. It was all a fraud, all that summer league stuff. That's the, so convincing someone to part ways with someone that they're already annoyed with and ready to cut bait with, it's easy to do or easier. Sell high. I'm trying to tell you here, like Buddy Heald is the first one here. So I say, hey, Buddy, Buddy's flying at the moment. Do you want him? Yeah, but why do you want to get rid of him? Oh, just, just you know, he's probably too good for my team. It's, it's hard to do. It is hard to do. You've got to throw balance. You've got to throw team build. You've got to throw um, a whole bunch of stuff in there to try and convince. It's not easy to do. Anyway, over the last two weeks, Buddy Heald's a 17th ranked player in category leagues. Pretty sure that's not going to stick. In points leagues, it's not quite as good, but he's at 39th. So why is he this good? Well, number one, playing a ton. Remember at the start of the season, Rick Carlisle was like all over the shop with his minutes. 31 minutes in the first game for Heald, then 25, 16, 28. And we went, oh, oh no. Oh no, what's happening? And then the last four, five games, 33, 38, 36, 40, 36. Ah, okay, we're back on track. Some huge minutes there. And it is helping that Buddy Heald is just incendiary with his shooting. He's hitting five threes a game over the last six games. Now, he's doing it at 45%. Now, Buddy Heald is known to be a great three-point shooter, but you know how many times he's been a 40% three-point shooter over the last four years? Last three years? Zero. Zero. 37 last year, 39 the year before that, 39 the year before that. He's cranking at 45 at the moment. So 45 becomes still a really good 40, and five threes then becomes 3.7. Then we're looking at a really different buddy. And if he's not hitting him at that rate, and if he's not just burning every time he's out there, then maybe the minutes push back down. He's also averaging four assists per game, almost six rebounds, and 1.2 steals. When? He has not averaged even one steal a game over the past. He also is amazingly over the last six games hitting 60% of his twos. And you know what he's never hit in the past? Even 50%. So he's just on fire. He's also rebounding the ball really well. 5.7 rebounds. That's like a 25% bump on what he's done recently. Over the last three years, he's never been anywhere near that level. Some of it is minutes for sure. But some of it is also why are the twos going in at such a crazy level? Much like Boyan Bogdanovich, there is going to be a drop here. He is not going to remain a top 20 player. He might not remain top 50. I think he can stay top 80. I would be happy to get a top 40 player back for Buddy, understanding that there is a chance that some of this stuff sticks. 20 point per game scoring, four threes a game. The assist might stick as well. He's shown in Indiana, this is a part of his game. And I'm not, I'm not fully convinced that he does get traded, although I think there's a chance. I think Miles Turner's a much higher chance of that though. Let's look at another one of his former teammates, actually. Darren Fox. Now, this one's a weird one to me because I look at Darren Fox and I was relatively okay with him as a fourth round, maybe even third round player this season. We saw him really put up big numbers towards the end of last season. And I thought, okay, let's see how we go here. Look, there's an opportunity here for big stuff. And I look at him and he is the 32nd ranked player over the last two weeks. He's 16th for the season. And I look at my projection, I've got him 38th. I go, that's not that different. 32nd to 38th. His points leagues is 53rd. And I actually think points leagues, he might be able to improve. But there are a couple of things I look at. Well, first of all, I look at the last five games, he's averaging 3.4 assists. That is wildly low. Why, where are his assists? It's all coming through Sabonis, right? 
there is potential for that to improve. He's also averaging a putrid 0.4 steals. So these two things I'm saying make, as Obi just disagrees with me completely on Fox, makes me feel like he is a buy low. But what I don't have faith in is the shooting at all. 59% on twos. He's a 51% shooter overall, and he went from a 75% free throw guy to hitting 93% from the line. Like, I have no faith in that sticking. I think the assists might stay low because of the way that Sabonis is running things, so that 3.4 assists might not come up enough. The steals, who knows? He's not particularly active defensively. Different defensive coach, different scheme. But I'm worried about both of those percentages. He's going at a true shooting of 62%. He's never been above league average. He's flying above league average at the moment. So while I do have him projected 38th, because I've baked in a drop in free throws, a bit of a drop in field goal, but also a bump in assists and steals, that assists and steals, I feel more confident that the percentages will drop than I do confident in the steals and assists rising. So that puts him pretty, I'm pretty skeptical. When you are trying to trade De'Aaron Fox, use full season rankings, top 20 player. Use big minutes. Use he's an all-star in Sacramento. So many articles, not that you're going to say, here's an article that says De'Aaron Fox is going to be an all-star in a trade. But people love the flash. People love the big scoring. People love that stuff. So, you know, if I could get a top 25 guy back, I'd be pretty happy to do it. But I think it's more one of those ones where I'm just like, maybe it crashes. But it could also sort of stick. And I'm not sure about it. Don't even know why I include it on the show, to be honest. Let's go to Bol Bol. The internet's favorite player. Bol has been great this season. There is absolutely zero debate about that. And I probably would have had better luck putting him on the sell high show if he didn't have a struggle yesterday. Over the last two weeks, he's 42nd in category leagues, 101st in points leagues. My issue with Bol the whole way through here is um, the block rate is going to be unsustainable. Right, he was at like, I think the first week was at like nine blocks per hundred possessions, which was never going to be able to stick. And we've already seen that his season-long block rate is three point five per thirty-six, um, and over the last seven games, it's down to two point five. Like, so the block rate has already decreased from historically high levels. He's also shooting over the last seven games sixty-nine percent from the field, Giggity. including seventy-eight percent on twos. Seventy-eight percent on twos now. I'm no math whiz. Maybe I am, but I'm not. That's not going to 78. It's not going to stick. There's no way. There's just, there's no chance. How is he doing this? 87% at the rim. Okay. 67% from floater range. 70, 67% on short mid ranges, according to Cleaning the Glass. There is surely no way. That is an astonishingly big number. And that is going to come down. And then there's the minutes. Because we saw it yesterday, the minutes dropped. And when Fultz and Anthony and Harris filter back, as well as he shouldn't, who shall not be named if he ever returns, I find it really difficult to believe that Bowl will remain as a starter playing 27, 28 minutes a night. Do I think he can stay over Mo Bumba in the rotation? Well, I was more confident of that before yesterday, before Bumba took minutes off him. And then the bench rotation is Bump, there's Bumba, there's Bowl, there's a KK. There is he who shall not be named in that bench group as well. I just don't see how he plays 26, 27 a night. And that's what's going to keep him in the top 100, factoring in regression in a bunch of these other stats. If you can get 
And I know I'm going to use, and this guy, he's having a laugh about it, which is in good fun. But the guy who told me that he traded Evan Mobley to get Bol Bol and was like, oh, all my league mates roasted me for, I think it's a huge win. Like, you can do it. You can you can sell Bol for value. I, I think that we're going to come back in January and we're going to look and go, remember when Bol Bol people said he was a league winner? And then he's sitting at the 170th best player. I think there's a distinct chance of that. He's been a great story. Um, but I do think there's going to be some drop-off. This is another one where, like De'Aaron Fox, I look at it and go, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe it's not real. Maybe he isn't a sell high. But I'll put Desmond Bain on this list for number one reason. I, I really like Desmond Bain as a player. Um, I was flabbergasted that he didn't go top 20 in his draft. Um, I didn't expect the breakout we saw last season. If you had listened to this show two years ago, you would have heard me rant every single game. Why is Dylan Brooks playing ahead of Desmond Bain? What are you doing, Taylor Jenkins? And then last season, it was like, Brooks, stop taking shots. Give them to Bain. And all that stuff's corrected now. Great. Bain is getting his shots. His usage is sky high. He went from 23 usage last season to 28 this season, which is hard to do considering most of last season was played without either Morant or Brooks. I think they played 100 minutes together. So he's really establishing himself with big usage. Does that stick? I think probably it does. I don't believe he's a 50% three-point shooter. He is a really good three-point shooter, and he could easily stay as a 44% guy. Easily. But his last few games have been fueled by massive three-point percentage and has jumped his scoring up to 26 a game and his overall field goal percentage up to 51. Can he stay as a 91% free throw guy? That's debatable, but he's really good there. The other thing I look at is that last season, he averaged two free throw attempts per game. He's at 5.3. Now, that isn't evolution in younger players, is their free throw attempt rises a lot. Doubling it in one season feels probably a little bit too aggressive. So I think Bain is fine as of between 35 and 45 as a ranked player, but he's 20th in categories and 37th in points leagues over these last two weeks. So if you can get a top 25 guy back, maybe an underperforming top 25 guy, I would do that. Because there are just a few things here. Maybe usage sticks, but free throw attempts probably fall. 50% three-point shooting probably falls as well. Um, but again, in saying that, like Fox, there are some areas that can improve. He's barely got any steals. So that can get up as well. And I think that will get up. But I've got him projected to be, instead of 20th, like 40th. In between the 35 and 40 range. So there is a little bit of room for you to get in there. And the last one is a pretty obvious one as well, I think. If it's a Zubats in LA. Um, we heard everything about the Clippers at the start of the season. Small ball. We're just going to do small ball. We're going to do small ball. We don't even need a backup center. So I initially looked at the roster and go, well, Zubats has got to play 33 minutes. Has to. And they just kept saying, no, we're going to play half a game with, with no center. We're going to run Covington. We're going to run Morris. Batum will be out there. We'll have good switchy perimeter defenders. Oh, okay, we'll have to drop him down a little bit. And now he's come up and he's averaging 30 minutes a game. In fact, he's averaging 32 over the last eight. Now, because Kawhi is out, that has thrown a lot in there. And then Covington's been out and Covington also cooked, by the way, I think. Um, and Zubats is doing a lot in that time, like really putting up big numbers. He is the 49th ranked player in categories, 52nd in points leagues. There are two real major things here to look at. Minutes. Does the 32 come down to 28 or 29? It's possible. His minutes have been all over the place. 35 in the opener, then 24, 21, then 35, 34, then 23, then 32, then 25. Now, some of those were foul trouble games, and he's hitting big minutes at the moment. But I'm a little worried about what does happen when Kawhi returns. But the thing we've got to look at is blocks. Because this is not just opportunity. He blocked 1.5 shots per 36 last season, 1.4 per 36 last season, 1.8 per 36 the year before. And the general rule of thumb is, is that when someone's minutes go up, as they try to stay out of foul trouble more, 
And as you get older and stay in the league longer, your block rate drops because you become smarter. You're not chasing blocks. You're being more a better positional defender and better rim deterrent rather than just chasing blocks. That is the general rule of thumb. Minutes up, block rate down. Zubats has gone, nah, nah. We're going to do it different. We're going to go minutes up and block rate, we're going to double it, which feels entirely unsustainable. And his clear value is in gigantic blocks. His rebounds are really good, but his blocks are his best category. So if those blocks go from 26 to 1.7, then he goes to 80th or 90th, and then the value falls away. And then if the minutes go from 32 down to 27, then he's back to 110th. So use it now while Kawhi is still out. Try and sell it because he's been great. Try and sell it for a top 65 player, top 75 player, and see what you can do. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. And if you're on YouTube, thumb it up. And leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.